What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have a classic. We're going to get into my must buy and sell trade targets for Dynasty Fantasy Football. I don't think we've done one of these since the redraft season in like November. So this is going to be fun. I think we have like nine players. We have like, I think five or six buys, about three sells, some for contenders, some for rebuilding teams. We are covering it all across the board because we have a huge market shift coming here where the combine is going to happen. Rookie fever is going to happen. Then we have free agency. And right now is a kind of a moment in time, like a screenshot before a lot of things change. So I think now is a great time to make moves in the dynasty landscape. So with all that being said, we have a lot to get into, bunch of players, bunch of notes, bunch of graphics. So as always, if you enjoy, if you miss the dynasty content on this channel, or if you're excited for it to be back, leave a like, subscribe. Let's go. Now, the reasoning for today's video it's something that I'm excited to show you guys or just proud of. We do this every offseason, but on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, I just got done with a rankings update. I think the plan this offseason is every time I do a rankings update per month, I'll also do a buy and sell trade target video because for every single player, as you can see here, these are my quarterback rankings. This is my top 14. And you can see for every player, I have neutral, buy, sell, hard buy, soft sell, uh, or like hard sell, just what should you be doing with these assets in Dynasty? And on top of that, you get my prospect grade on all of them. So my RS grades are already in there. You have the rookies as well. So Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, where I have them in terms of rookie picks as well. Across the board, if you have a startup coming up, a rookie draft, you want to make trades, it's all in there for you. Patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You can find that in the description or the comment section down below. Now, the theme for today's buy and sell trade targets is cream. QBs rule everything around me, all right? It's a little bit corny, I'll admit. But this is really the case in Dynasty right now where quarterbacks are king, right? This is the top 24 picks. By the way, shout out Adeko. Uh, Adeko is a guy who's on Twitter. He works for the Bean Counter uh, Discord, which if you're in Dynasty, you probably know about Bulletproof, uh, the Bulletproof Fantasy Discord. He does a great job. He has a website called, I think, Dynasty Data Labs. I'll link it down below. It has Dynasty ADP. This is Dynasty ADP from the last month. And as you can see, we always talk about this in Dynasty Superflex. Of the top eight picks, seven of them are quarterbacks. There is a certain upside and untouchable asset upside that quarterbacks have in Dynasty. And they really are the gold standard in Dynasty. And I think right now as we're looking forward, right, this is a great quarterback class. No doubt about it, right? Caleb is great. Drake May is great. Jaden Daniels is great. But... I think we're kind of, I don't know. I think, you know, it's like that meme, the guy who's like looking behind when he has his girlfriend next to him. We have a lot of good quarterbacks right now that are great values to buy in Dynasty. And right now, I think one of the best buys is Trevor Lawrence, the prince who was promised. I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence because everyone seems to be losing faith in who I am calling the prince who was promised, right? We don't need to really cite prospect profile for a guy going into his fourth year. But for all the love Caleb Williams is getting, if you're a Jaden Daniels guy, if you're a Drake May guy, Trevor Lawrence was a better prospect than all of them. To me, it's not even debatable. I know people are saying, I, I love, you guys saw my quarterback rankings, right? I just showed them. I, I love Caleb Williams. I have him ahead of Trevor Lawrence. But for as good as Caleb Williams is a prospect, Trevor Lawrence was better. He was somebody who could have went first overall after his freshman year at Clemson. He was that good. He, to me, is that Andrew Luck. 
can't miss prospect. I think like his fall off this year or him having a down season is a bit overstated. When we look at kind of what he did this year, this is from Player Profiler. He had 17.9 points per game last year. He was the QB 12, and then he skyrockets up to that top eight, right? It was like him and Herbert right around the 108 in startup drafts. All of a sudden, he has now fallen. If we look again at that screenshot, he has fallen not incredibly far, but he's now like around behind your burrow in Justin Herbert area. And to me, that's a little bit much. It's a little bit much to have him all the way down there uh, after what he did this past year. Again, he had about the same year as he had before, 17.3 points per game, still at 17 plus points per game. And we look at EPA per play and PFF. This is a chart from uh, Ben Baldwin. Ben Baldwin does a lot of cool charts and EPA. EPA is just essentially on a per play basis. How efficient are you? Are you doing more than, than expected on a given drive? And he's in that top right, right? He's right around that spot with like CJ Stroud's in that area, Joe Burrow's in that area, Justin Herbert, right? Like everybody in that top right, for the most part, pretty good quarterbacks, right? Jordan Love is there. And this is PFF grade uh, in the X-axis with EPA per play on the Y-axis. To me, we look at the advanced stuff, it wasn't a terrible year for him. Even PFF didn't think it was that bad. He had his best passing grade to date, right? 78.6. He had more big-time throws. He had 35 big-time throws in 2023. Of course, more turnover-worthy plays, but this is where we get into the context for 2023. First of all, he was banged up. And I know everyone's banged up over the course of the year, but he was really banged up to the point where he's like an Iron Man and he takes pride in not missing games. He only missed one game this season, and it was late in the year, like the season was kind of lost. We have to remember, he dealt with a sprained MCL in Week 7. People didn't think that he was going to play, and then he just suits up and plays. Then he sprains his ankle in Week 13. Then he gets a concussion in Week 15, a bruised right shoulder in Week 16. Like, from Week 7 on, he just wasn't right. And I think that it was pretty clear. Like, it felt a lot to me. Uh, like the same mulligan we gave Justin Herbert in his third year where he had uh, like the, the fractured ribs, uh, I think this was 2022, gave him a mulligan. To me, I think Trevor Lawrence deserves the same benefit of the doubt. He had Christian Kirk miss five games. Ridley was a letdown this year. Zay Jones missed eight games when he played. He wasn't right. It was just tough. Like it, it, It's tough to build your offense or build the plane out of Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley. Like Don't get me wrong, Evan Ingram's a fine tight end, but he's like this slot low a dot like he's not moving the chains very often he's just kind of a ppr guy the the running game wasn't there for them either and the offensive line was also a bottom five unit where if we look again i think this is again um some ben baldwin charts here where you have pass protection up top that's espn win rate and then pass protection grade on uh pff and then you have run block look in the passing he's in the bottom left or the jaguars are in the bottom left not great, like you're with the Bengals and the Seahawks and the Panthers. By the way, offensive line matters a ton, especially in the passing game where you can see the top right, you have the Texans up there, the Bills up there, the Chiefs way up there, the Packers way up there, uh, the Eagles, the Ravens. Like Most of the good passing offense, offenses outside of essentially the Rams and the Niners are in that top right. Offensive line matters a ton, and then there was just nothing in the run blocking game. Like You can see the bottom side of this chart where – it is the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Giants, just absolutely awful run-blocking offensive line. So again, he really didn't have a ton of help in this offense. So I think that they're going to address this, right? Trevor Lawrence is their franchise quarterback. I think they're going to either draft offensive line, attack offensive line in free agency, same thing with wide receiver slash tight end, just get weapons, get a better offense for Trevor Lawrence to operate out of. And this is a really cool uh, stat here. I think this is from Kevin Cole who uh, used to work at PFF, and he has what's called adjusted EPA per play. Again, 
EPA per play on a per play basis, how efficient is your offense at getting first downs, scoring points? How good is it expected above or below? And you can see here when we adjust for things like pass protection, receiver drops, turnover luck, all of that is adjusted for here. Trevor Lawrence goes from 0.07 EPA per play up to 0.26 tied with Dak Prescott in second. Or no, not tied. I thought they were both at 0.26, but he's tied with Josh Allen here, third and fourth. When you adjust for things like that, he gets a massive boost because, again, his supporting cast was awful. And on top of that, he was banged up. This is even, I mean, this isn't really like material evidence, but this is an Ian Harditz cut up of near miss touchdowns where a lot of the times either his receiver didn't get a foot down or his receiver dropped there or he like just missed where he needed to get in the back of the end zone. And it's a minute 59 seconds long of, I think he calls them like sheesh plays or whatever, but he left a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards on the field, whether that was his fault to me, I think it was a lot of his supporting cast just a lot of bad bounces here. So I want to bet on the bounce back. And it's not just because he's Trevor Lawrence. And he's the prince that was promised. It's because of two things. One being, I think there's still upside here, right? I don't think he's capped out at this uh, 17 points per game, like fringe QB1 type of numbers. To me, there's a second ceiling because of his rushing upside, which I think is really understated. The rushing upside is how you're going to get to those monstrous, like 20 plus point per game seasons. And to me, Trevor Lawrence has that. Or if we look here, at rushing points per game in 2023, of course, of course, he is not Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all of the above, right? But he's in this spot with like Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is even like 2.5 plus. So he's in this range of like 3.7 points per game on the ground. That's really good. And for a guy who was banged up as well, that's a lot of points you're adding on the ground. If you can just put, put it together as a passer, I don't think that he's capped out. I think that his career high is 25 passing touchdowns. We just saw Jordan Love get 32. I think 30-plus is in his range. This is a guy coming out of school. We know he has the arm talent. He's putting the big-time throws on display on PFF. It's just a matter of his supporting cast being able to actually support him and him standing upright in a clean pocket, right? Two things his supporting cast kind of let him down on. And on top of the rushing, he has a willingness to rush. Like, of course, he's not getting designed rush attempts, so they're coming from scrambles. He is one of six quarterbacks last year with 40 or more scrambles, right? So that's huge. The rushing upside is there. He's 6'6". He had like a touchdown where he did a QB sneak and just reached over the line. It wouldn't shock me at all if he had one of these years where he had like 30-plus passing touchdowns, 6-plus rushing touchdowns. He gets you to like 19, 20, 21 points per game and gives you like a top six season. I think that that's still in his range. He's just 24. He's younger than guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. He's younger than Will Levis. To me, I think that there is still a lot to like here. He's also in Doug Peters' offense, which we all like. Since 2022, when the Jags uh, hired Doug Peterson, they have been ninth in pace of play. They've been 11th in neutral pass rate. So they pass the ball a bunch. They get to the line. They have a high-volume offense, high-volume passing offense. It's all great for Trevor Lawrence. And I know people love to use historical comps for quarterbacks. I'm a bit hesitant, right? Like, there's, there is no quarterback comps for, like, what Geno Smith did. Uh, or what Jared Goff did after an awful year one. Like, it, it, it's such a small sample, right? Like, for wide receivers, there's, like, what, like, 20 wide receivers taken between the first through third rounds? For quarterbacks, it's, like, six. And of those six, maybe two of them get to start in week one. So, it's tough. Like, I remember we used to fall back on, oh, well, Trey Lance went third overall. He's going to get, you know, 30-game audition. It didn't work out for him. Not Obviously, these are outlier instances, but to me, it's a little bit tough. Like, the sample's so small Every quarterback career arc is different, so I think it's a little bit tough. In my past, I would, you know, I'd pull up the spreadsheets, I'd give you guys some comps, and it's like, 
quarterbacks, it's a little bit different, man. Like every quarterback is different. Every quarterback hits their stride at different times. So I like betting on Trevor Lawrence and a historical compilist that I'll leave you with. Shout out to Dynasty IM. Ian is great. Uh, Third-year quarterbacks to post a 75 or better PFF passing grade and 2.5-plus rushing points per game. Josh Allen, Andrew Luck, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Trevor Lawrence. To me, I am still a believer, and he is somebody that people are really souring on. I think that it's also part of like the, the Tua, Herbert, social media uh just dialogue where like everyone loves to just shit on Trevor Lawrence now that he hasn't quite lived up to those first overall expectations. So there is just this, and they collect like after the 49ers game this year, they sort of collapsed. There's a lot of negative momentum on Trevor Lawrence. And for me, when we're talking about fantasy, I just don't see it the same way. So I like kind of buying on the doubt that people have for Trevor Lawrence. Now for these videos, by the way, let me know if you guys like this format, uh, dynasty calculus will, will will use. They have a trade database that dives into sleeper leagues, everything that they have, real dynasty trades that have made been made in real leagues. So we can kind of look through and it's not just, you know, buy Trevor Lawrence and we'll move on to the next player. It's buy Trevor Lawrence and here are some deals that I kind of like here. Uh, now I wouldn't buy Trevor Lawrence for, you know, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence in a first for Mahomes. That's a little bit steep for me, but it depends on what this 2024 first is. To be honest with you guys, anything outside of the top, like anything outside of the top anything outside of the top four picks I think I would buy Trevor Lawrence for the 105 or later um and absolutely snap except anything the 106 or later for Trevor Lawrence we also have down here Levis Josh Downs in a second for Trevor Lawrence I would do that all day long uh I mean a 25 first and a 25 I, I would give I, I think I would give two random first for Trevor Lawrence without much of a doubt um if I didn't have a quarterback and I needed one uh is there anything else that sticks out 224 first that's where it gets tough uh, if it's like the 107 and the 112 or like the 106 and the 110 or something, I think I would, uh, make a deal like that. And then this, this makes no sense. Maybe this is a startup trade, but anything involving Drake London for Trevor Lawrence, I would do all day long. Two on Stefan Diggs is, is interesting for me. Um, I'd want maybe like a small kickback, but that's actually pretty close. Saquon in a first, I think I would, uh, as well. So again, he's not trading for pennies on the dollar, but he's not trading for anything crazy. I mean, Trevor Lawrence and AJ Brown for CeeDee Lamb, I would do that. Uh, all day long. Even if this AJ Brown you downgraded that all the way to like, you could downgrade that AJ Brown all the way to like Waddle, and I think I would debate doing that. Maybe maybe a little bit more than like a Waddle, but I could see. I don't know. Like even down to like Malik Neighbors, uh, any of like the top ten guys, I would actually debate something like that. Not that CD Lamb is a sell, but just talking uh, strictly value wise. Now moving on to our next player. I don't mean to take forever, but I will be honest with you guys. We have a lot of notes to get through. Could I have like maybe made Trevor Lawrence's own video or split up the buys and sells? Sure, but I don't know. If you come to this channel, I think that you probably want the deep dives all in one spot. Um, next up, a buy, another quarterback. Remember Cream? It's corny, but quarterbacks do rule everything. Kyler Murray, to me, I'm just shocked there's not more enthusiasm for Kyler. Like when we look at that screenshot that I showed you guys earlier, Kyler, Kyler to me is actually more egregious than Trevor Lawrence. To me, Kyler should be squarely you know, between Anthony Richardson and Justin Herbert, like right in that area of like a first round pick, I, I would have no problem taking Kyler uh, in the late first in a startup. Now I will say this is not the perfect time to buy. Kyler has been a huge buy on this channel forever. It seems like I made a similar uh, pitch to you guys like a year ago today. Uh, he was recovering from an ACL tear. His, his, you know, his value is probably at his absolute lowest right after he tore it, you know, when he wasn't playing early in the season. But I think right now, his price still hasn't fully rebounded, and you get you get this last window to buy 
right in this range. Now we look at Kyler Murray, like he is a blue chip stock. Again, I, I, I struggle to wrap my head around the, the lack of enthusiasm. He came back from ACL tear last year and didn't miss a beat. He had an 18.9 points per game, good for uh, what would have been QB7 the year before. He was QB7 this year. He had more points per game than CJ Stroud, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Four quarterbacks ranked ahead of him in Dynasty. And this was Kyler Murray, you know, all he had, Marquise Brown wasn't playing towards the end of the year. All he had was Trey McBride, and he was off of a torn ACL with a new offensive coordinator. All mind-boggling. Now, if we even zoom out past that, and we just look at points per game since that 2020 class came in, because again, you know, there's a lot of hype. Herbert, Burrow, Jalen Hurts is in there. I left Jalen Hurts off of this because he's a weird one where he didn't start a lot of games, so his points per game gets dinged, uh, like his rookie year, right? Because Carson Wentz played like, what, like 14 games there. But Kyler Murray, since 2020, has more points per game than Justin Herbert, more points per game than Joe Burrow, more points per game than even Lamar Jackson. And he's 26 years old. He's younger than Joe Burrow. He's just a year older than Justin Herbert. So again, how he's a full round behind those guys is confusing for me. Now, when we expect moving forward, we look at Kyler Murray. I mean, I'm excited. When you look at what the expectation was, this is from uh, Deepak Chona, one of the uh, injury analysts on Twitter. This is just from, I think, like November. Kyler's likely going to play Week 10. ACL data suggests rapid return to pre-injury passing production and decline in both rushing attempts and efficiency. And that's a huge point, that I think that he should rebound from this like 18.9 points per game season and challenge for that 20-plus point per game ceiling again. Now, this is just a small sample because like I, I could only really think of Joe Burrow in terms of tearing your ACL uh, while still being in your prime as a quarterback. And you can see here, even though Joe Burrow is necessarily uh, a scrambling quarterback, I think it's a good show of kind of what happened here where he had 3.7 rush attempts per game in year one. He tears his ACL. He goes down to 2.5 rush attempts per game. That year after, he goes up to 4.7 rush attempts per game, a career high. So you could see the first year after the ACL, rushing comes down. The next year, the rushing goes right back up to where it was before. Now, I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is going to set a career high in rush attempts per game, but he had his career low rush attempts per game post ACL tear. I think he's going to go back up to challenging for that six plus rush attempts per game spot, which should give him that 20 plus point per game ceiling we all want from our quarterbacks that hold, you know, first or second round startup value. Now, the cherry on top with Kyler Murray is you can get more enthusiasm for Kyler when they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, I, I, I feel crazy. Like, no one's really thinking about. Like, the minute Marvin Harrison Jr. is a Cardinal, everyone then looks at Kyler and says, like, oh, my God, this offense is going to be great. Or you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. You're going to have uh, Trey McBride. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now, until that happens, it seems like the market is still lagging behind, even though when we look at, like, consensus mock drafts, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a 72% mock draft popularity to be a Cardinal. It's not Marvin Harrison Jr. It's probably Malik Neighbors. It's probably Roma Dunze. It's one of those three in my eyes. It seems very clear at this point. And the market just doesn't care. So that's where I'm at on Kyler. To me, he should be a first-round startup pick. I absolutely love him. I think the only quarterback I'd have over him in this class uh, would be Caleb Williams. And even then, it's a true, true coin toss between the two of them. Now, now when we look at what he's trading for, uh, truth be told, I haven't, I didn't check these beforehand, which maybe I should have, but Jalen Hurts for a 25... No, no, no. I can't do that. Jalen Hurts for Kyler Murray and Jordan Addison... I don't know. I'm chilling on the uh, Jalen Hurts stuff. 2024 first. If this was like a 24 first, um, that's like, you know, if it's a, or wait, no, I'm looking at this one. If it's a 24 first, that's again, if it's like outside of the top three or four picks uh, and it's a random first, a random 24 second, 
uh, I'd be absolutely fine with that. Two seconds and a first. Uh, I, as long as this isn't like the 102 or the 101, I think I'd actually have no problem with that. Justin Fields in a first for Kyler. I would do that all day. Dak in some change for Kyler. Um, yes, please. I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I'm keeping these on the screen here. All right, let's put this here. All right, I think that that should be good. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm showing everything on the screen. But yeah, Dak in some change, sure. First and a second, sure. Kirk in a first. Again, we don't know what this first is. Like maybe it's like the 103 or the 104. I'm, I, I will be honest with you guys. I'm not dying to sell my, uh, my 2024 first right now. But if it is like the 105, which is like technically out of the QB land, uh, sweepstakes or whatever you want to call them, and you could turn that into Kyler Murray, uh, I don't hate that at all. Goff in two firsts, that feels steep. Again, I'd have to know what this 24 first is. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown for Kyler in change. I would actually do that uh, all day long. I would, have, I would have Kyler ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown point blank when it comes to startup drafts. Kyler Murray for Jordan Love and some change. I would do that all day. I have Kyler over Jordan Love. Three seconds for Kyler is just ridiculous. Herbert for Kyler and Rice. I don't hate that. I don't hate getting out of Herbert or Burrow for Kyler in a, in a piece. Uh, I don't know that I want Rashi Rice. I'd maybe want draft capital or something, but I don't hate that at all. Kyron for Kyler, uh, I mean, all day long. Puka for Kyler, I would be okay with as well. Now, moving on to our next... Now, I do want to say, people always love to comment, oh, well, those trades aren't realistic in my leagues. I can't, I can't accommodate to everybody. Those are just trades that... I'm trying to give us just a, you know, a universal thing for everybody. Now, moving on to our next player, we have not a quarterback. We have Hollywood Brown. This one isn't really too crazy or anything, but he is really cheap. Like he is right now his absolute cheapest or, you know, almost his absolute cheapest when we look at his all-time value on keep trade cut. He is the lowest. His price has been the lowest it's ever been since 2021. Sure, he's coming off of a down year, but he's 26 years old. He still earns targets. And that's really all we care about at this point. When we look at last year, I think it's important to note, like, he had an awful year, don't get me wrong. But there is some story here where he got this sore heel thing. Uh, he missed four games. He was on the injury report seven times. And it clearly nagged him. Uh, he got in week 11, but it clearly was an issue from, like, week 13 on. Where you can see here, I drew the red line on his game logs from Player Profiler. And you can see week 12, he ran 87% uh, of the routes. And he went down to, like... 80% of the routes, but only like 56% of the snaps, and he got like three targets, and then like his snap share dipped below 80% for the first time in week 13, and then again in week 15. So if you just take those those weeks out, he really wasn't that bad. Now you have to remember as well, he dealt with the, the heel injury, he dealt with the hamstring early on, and then he also had three different starting quarterbacks for him, which is tough in general just to find the rhythm. He had Josh Dobbs, he had Clayton Toon for the one game after they traded Josh Dobbs, and then on the back stretch, he had Kyler Murray for like a few games. Kyler didn't really hit his full stride uh, until Marquise Brown kind of got banged up there. Now, when we look at Marquise Brown's career stats, the stuff to me that matters, right? Targets per out run. So how much are you earning volume on a per route basis? Your yards per out run. How efficient are you on those targets? Your expected points per game. How many points per game should you be scoring based on your A dot, your targets, all of that? And then how much are you actually scoring? And we can see this is over his entire career. And in 2023, he had a 20.4% target per run, which is still great. Like anything over 20% is great, especially Marquise Brown is a downfield uh, high ADOT guy. That's perfect for fantasy. Now, when we split it out to weeks one through 12, 21.8% target per run, which would be a career, a second, I'm trying to say a second career best. You guys get what I'm saying. Behind that 2021 year, best targets per run. Now, yards per run wasn't great this year. It's tough to be great. Their passing offense wasn't great, but the volume he commanded in expected points per game 
was the wide receiver 35 at 11.6 for 2023. But again, if it's just weeks 1 through 12, 13.1, which puts him right in that wide receiver 2 range like he was in 2021 and 2022. So again, the points per game wasn't there, the efficiency wasn't there, but he's still commanding targets. And at his price, that's really all I care about. Like Again, this is a Deco ADP, um, and I'll make sure I, I link his website down below, but you can see... For the last month of drafting, Marquise Brown is all the way down there at the 11.03. Like, he is dirt cheap. You know, he is he is cheaper than Deontay Johnson. He is between Jamison Williams and Romeo Dobbs, and he's valued around a mid-second. This is a guy that we were buying for late firsts, like a year ago. Uh, and again, he's just 26. Like, he's not all that old. And I will say, there's not crazy, like, league-winning upside here, right? But it's important to note, right? Like, to me, this is a guy who his ceiling is wide receiver two production. I don't think that it's that crazy for him to get to that ceiling. But you have to kind of remember, we're drafting in the 11th round. If you get a wide receiver two point per game production in the 11th round, that's massive for your team. Like thinking, remember in redraft, you if you drafted Chris Olave as a second round pick and he was, a, he was a wide receiver two this year, he kind of killed you. Like you kind of needed wide receiver one production there. But a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., you drafted in the seventh round, he was a wide receiver two this year and he killed it for you. So that difference of price you kind of have to factor into your expectations for ceiling. I think in the past, I would have said like, oh, I want wide receiver one level upside across the board. When you get to the 11th round, you're drafting these wide receivers. There's not really wide receiver one upside. And if you're chasing that, the bets aren't that juicy, right? So with Hollywood Brown, if he gives you wide receiver two production as 11th round pick in Dynasty, he's giving you fine, like, you know, wins above replacement and really paying off at that value. Now, the twist here is, He's a free agent, which gives us an upside for like a short-term value boost where if we we trade for him here, he gets some upside of getting a, a good landing spot, right? Where, you know, he could go to like the Cowboys or the Chiefs or the Bills. And I think that would give him a nice little value bump if he got one of those top quarterbacks. And PFF seems to actually be a lot higher than like the uh, dynasty market on him too, where this is from uh, PFF's top 200 free agent rankings. Marquise Brown is 17th here, and they compare him to Christian Kirk in 2022 when he got that big contract with the Jags. And if you remember, Christian Kirk was a great value that year too, where he was like a double-digit guy in Dynasty, shot up to the sixth round as like a wide receiver two type. That's kind of what I think the ceiling comp for Marquise Brown is as well. Like kind of that Christian Kirk, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it breakout or anything, but you know, he, he paid off in a big way that first year in Jacksonville. Now, when we look at kind of what you can buy Marquise Brown for, I don't think it's really anything that expensive. I, I would be shocked if it was anything crazy. We'll go over to uh, Fantasy Calc real quick and kind of see what he's trading for. Come on, what do we got? So a 24 first for Marquise Brown and a 24 first. It's tough to say without knowing what those are. Yeah, I mean, Zamir White and Michael Wilson for Marquise Brown. Even without Antonio Gibson back, I think I would probably prefer Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown in a second for Gibson and Reed. That one's a little bit tougher. Uh honestly like a mid-second for Marquise Brown like anything past the 204 I'd be fine selling for Marquise Brown Kirk Cousins for Marquise Brown I think like I would do something like that if I didn't need Kirk closer current a third for Marquise Brown I think I would take that like he's really not I, I would take Marquise Brown over Jahan Dotson any day of the week to me Jahan Dotson seems almost dead in the water at this point where Marquise Brown we've seen the production before to me he has a clearer path to being a wide receiver to uh Rodgers as well uh super super cheap now after Marquise Brown, another buy we have here is following up on our QBs rule everything around me. We have Will Levis. Now, Will Levis, I didn't really even like as a prospect, but he's he's interesting. He is going, you can see here, this is again from Adeko's ADP. He's going as the 712 right now 
as the QB 21. He is a round and a half cheaper than Bryce Young, which to me is bonkers. And then he's also cheaper than like Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins. Two guys where, you know, Kirk Cousins coming off of Achilles, he's never going to be a first round startup value. Same thing with Baker. I'm not telling you Will Levis is going to be a first round startup value, but it wouldn't shock me if you had like a Jordan Love type arc where he becomes like a second round startup pick in a year or two and you get like a massive value gain on your investment. Now, when we look at Will Levis, I love the idea of betting on him at this price because he has the upside. He is 6'3", 230 pounds, rocket arm. This is from his first game. I know that like he, he definitely fell off after his first game, but just pushing the ball that far downfield, he had one where he was like rolling out. I think he hit like, I think it was Westbrook Aquino or something, but off of his back foot and like had air under it for the receiver to run. Like he, he has a crazy, crazy arm. Now, when we look at the advanced stuff as well, so we have the profile we want to bet on big rocket arm like we want to bet on tools right that's what's so great about Jordan Love he's this like 6'4 230 pound guy huge arm Will Levis looks exactly the same to me in terms of just like the the archetype you want to bet on right because when we look at guys like Zach Wilson and Bryce Young these tiny guys they don't really have like they don't have a trump card to beat defenses with right like they almost need the perfect scenario uh to succeed but with Will Levis there there's things to really like that are always going to be there in terms of his arm strength. Now, when we look at the advanced stats, this is from Kevin Cole again. He does great work. He's like a quarterback model that gives you range of outcomes just using stats from their rookie year. And it's pretty crazy when you look at kind of the 50th percentile outcomes, 75th percentile, 90th percentile outcomes for these rookie quarterbacks. The gap between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson isn't as large as the Dynasty community might let, lead on, right? Now, I, I don't, I would have Richardson way ahead of Will Levis in Dynasty because of the rushing upside factor, but just as like success in the NFL, it's not that far off between him and Anthony Richardson for this model. Now, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I'd maybe disagree a little bit, but I think the numbers at least show that. He's to me. This is what I'm trying to say. He's closer to Anthony Richardson than he is to Bryce Young, and I think that the dynasty community doesn't agree there. Now we look past this model. We have as well uh, your rookie leaders in adjusted yards per attempt. He is one of 14 quarterbacks to ever have a seven plus in that category. Pretty good list to be a part of, right? You have like Cam Newton in this range. You have Jameis Winston who had some good years. Joe Burrow, Kyler, Andrew Luck on the bottom there. On a per attempt basis, he was efficient, or he wasn't bad efficiency wise, which to me is good. Now, in 2024, Will Levis should at least get an audition here uh, where he's going to be, you know, the starting quarterback for the Titans. He gets a new offense as well. They're bringing in Brian Callahan, who, while he was the Bengals offense coordinator, had a really fantasy-friendly offense where we can see here the early down pass frequency was third in the NFL from 2022 or from 2019 to 2023 when he was the coach over there. And you can see the Titans were on the bottom. That's not going to work for a quarterback. So we're going to see. I don't expect them to be third highest pass attempt per game team in the NFL, but they're going to go from league bottom to probably league average. And that's huge, especially with the upside that Levis has as a passer. They also have the seventh overall uh, draft pick. That could be a wide receiver. It could be Brock Bowers. It could be an offensive lineman. I think that Levis is going to get a nice audition here. Offensive line should get an upgrade, uh, if not through the draft or free agency. Uh, Brian Callahan's the coach. His dad, Bill Callahan, is like the greatest offensive line coach of all time or whatever. This offense is going to be very fun. So I do like me some Will Levis here at this point in the offseason when there's really not a lot of hype for Will Levis. Now we look at what he's trading for. Again, I don't think it's all that expensive. Like I, I, 
I mean, Jaden Reed for Will Levis, Traylon Burks, and Garrett, uh, Gerald Everett, I, I don't love it, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if I needed a quarterback. Yeah, like Russell Wilson for Will Levis, I would do that all day. George Pickens for Levis to me is about a coin flip. It kind of just depends on what you need. Uh, Josh Jacobs for Will Levis, I would do that all day long. Uh, we just had to buy Marquise Brown, but if you can do Marquise Brown or he Mostert for Will Levis, uh, I absolutely would. Isaiah Pacheco for Will Levis is close. Firing me for Will Levis, I would do all day. Like you can get it for so cheap. Kittle for Will Levis. So, like let's say there's a contender that really needs a, a tight end, send him Kittle for Will Levis. It's pretty easy. Stafford for Will Levis, I would do all day. Two seconds for Will Levis, I would do uh, as well. So again, he like you don't even have to really give up much to get him, and he's like the perfect upside bet to make at quarterback. Now, our next player here is going to be a quick one, a <laughs> a. You know, a favorite of the channel, Noah Fant. I loved Noah Fant coming out of school. He hasn't had a great start to his career so far, but he kind of got railroaded, man. He had two top 12 point-per-game finishes. Now, again, like for tight ends, top 12 doesn't really matter. But, you know, he was he was on his way to becoming a relevant tight end. Then he gets traded to Seattle. In Seattle, last year, they ran the 10th most plays out of 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. And they ran the second most plays out of uh, 13 personnel, which is three tight ends. So they ran a lot of two and three tight end sets which is going to be hard for Noah Fant to thrive in when like sometimes they'll have him blocking, sometimes they'll have him going out. It's just tough when he's not like the featured tight end and a lot of like uh, 11 personnel, like a lot of these, you know, Travis Kelsey types do on their teams. Now, the thing here is it's just like a cheap buy. Like you can get him for pretty much pennies on the dollar and we know tight ends break out later. Uh, this is a tweet I had a while ago where David Njoku this year, he set a career high with a 12.6 point per game finish as the tight end seven in his seventh season. It was his best season seven years into his career. Um, we've been spoiled with early bloomers like Sam Laporta, Trey McBride, but tight ends do usually take time. To me, if there's going to be another Njoku who breaks out late in their career, it's Noah Fant. Through his first 81 games, he has about 250 catches, 2,800 yards. Njoku through his first 81 games had about 212 catches, 2,454 uh, yards or whatever really like niche numbers but you can see like they're about you know through the first 81 games they're about even in terms of what their production were both of them physical freaks you can see on the bottom is their relative athletic score where David Njoku you know 6'4 246 pounds 4'6 speed Noah Fan has 4'5 speed he's explosive he's agile he has everything I think that if he got to a decent spot here we could be cooking with some gas. Now, when we look at PFF and where they have him in terms of free agents, they've been the 53rd ranked player on a list of 200. So that's not bad at all. And they actually compared him to the Eric Ebron contract. Where Eric Ebron, remember, he had four years in uh, Detroit, comes out of there, he goes to the Colts, and he goes from having 11 touchdowns in his first four years to having 13 touchdowns right away in his first year in Indy. It wouldn't shock me if Fant had something similar. Uh, he has 14 touchdowns in his first five years here if he goes to a new scene. You know, maybe he gives you something great to me there's just a lot of upside we'll see where he goes he could go to a you know the Texans could let Dalton Schultz walk and then Noah Fan could get in there you could see him on the Dolphins you could see him on the Chargers there's a lot of good spots for Noah Fan to go uh and increase his value in the short term and then also be a really nice long-term asset in Dynasty now when we look at like what he trades for I can't imagine it's anything crazy like I, I don't think I would spend I, I, like I'm not scouring every league for Noah Fan but if you can get him in the back end of a deal uh I do Really like that idea where we look. I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, he's going for like if you can get him for a third or a fourth, uh, absolutely go ahead uh, and see if you can make that happen. Now, switching over to the cells before that, I just want to let you guys know about 
Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check it out. They sponsor everything we do on this channel. The light in the background. I got to do a draft on the show with my buddies. It's all really good stuff on there. They have Pick'ems, where you hop on there, you use uh, the Pick'em part of the app. They have higher lowers on everything from like rebounds to points to with football, you have more stuff than that, like passing yards, rushing yards. If you're into any other sport, I think they even do golf, higher, lower pickums. They do basketball. They do college basketball, which I wish I was in a legal state because I do love college ball. Um, if you're new, make sure you check it out. Promo code ROM. They will match your first deposit up to $100, and you'll get a new customer special waiting in the pick'em lobby for you. Pretty much a freebie. You can go higher on the Jokic. 0.5 points. I believe this is for tonight, Thursday, February 28th. So if you're watching this, make sure you check it out. Uh, you can take advantage of that on underdog again that'll all be in the description and the comment section down below now we talk about our cells here first up we have jared goff well, people love jared goff i know but when we look at what his stats have been to me you're just you're paying up for replaceable production that's really what it comes down to this is his last three years in detroit of course it's been better under ben johnson the last two right 17.8 points per game 17.1 points per game and a lot of you guys might be like, well, that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence has done the last two years. Well, here's the difference. Trevor Lawrence, to me, has the rushing upside. He's only 24. There's still room to grow. To me, Jared Goff feels capped out here at about 17 points per game. And you're paying up a lot for that production. We look at where he's going in Adeko's ADP. It's crazy. Like, he is three to six rounds more expensive, right? He is in that 412 spot up in the top left. And he is like two rounds more expensive than Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. He's three rounds more expensive than Matthew Stafford. He is five rounds more expensive than Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith. Uh, you know, six rounds more than Derek Carr and Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that he should be right next to those guys, but it's a really huge premium when you look at kind of what he's been over the last two years. He has been the QB 13 in points per game over his last two years. And again, you're paying a premium for a guy who just has about QB 2 production, right? Like Geno Smith is right in this area. Russell Wilson's in this area. Uh, Kirk Cousins is ahead of him. I know he's coming off of an Achilles, but I would prefer Kirk Cousins at cost over a guy like Jared Goff. He's about to turn 30. I just don't know what more, you know, there's not really much more ceiling. Like he's a, a steady Eddie type of guy, but he's not really going to win you leagues. So to me, I think that now is just a good time to get out. There's not a lot of uncertainty. There's not a lot of like, oh, maybe Detroit's going to draft a quarterback. It just feels like a nice safe spot to just get out. A lot of people do love Goff. For whatever reason and we look at dynasty adp versus redraft adp on underdog you can see you're paying up a lot right when we get into this like qb 13 14 15 16 17 range he is you know again 40 picks more expensive than stafford like again like 30 picks more expensive than cousins 100 almost damn near 100 picks more expensive than aaron Rodgers. it's just tough if i could net a first and get into stafford or kirk cousins or aaron Rodgers or any of those guys i think i would it's just cheaper production to come from that area we saw guys last year like you know baker mayfield and uh joe flacco and josh dobbs be like replacement level starters i would just rather kind of stream the position or, or get as cheap as possible at qb2 than paying up for a golf or i would use golf to tear up to a kyler murray to a trevor lawrence like we talked about earlier now we'd see what golf is trading for on fantasy calc i can't imagine it's anything too I can't imagine it's anything too nice. Like, I, I wouldn't be excited to trade for him at a lot of these values. Let's see. What does he go for here? Yeah, like, if I could if I could, if, if I could sell Goff for a top seven 2024 pick, I think I would. Goff, Tank Dell in a second for Herbert, I would do that. I think I would do that pretty easily. Goff in a second for, like, let's say, like, a top four pick, sure. Goff a third and a fourth for Dak. I mean, get out of here. Um, 
what else can you sell golf for? Golf and two first for Kyler. If the 24 was a late, I would be open to it. Uh, but I think there's just a lot to be had with golf. If you kind of make the right move, again, if you tear up golf McCaffrey in a 26 first for Mahomes, I do love something like that. Again, I'd like to tear up or tear down either up to your, uh, you know, Kyler, Trevor Lawrence, if you want to even go ahead of that to your, like, you know, Burrow, Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, or I would go all the way down to like Kirk. I still like Geno, uh, Aaron Rodgers a little bit, any of those guys, and just kind of net the difference at this point in time. Now, after Jared Goff, in terms of our cells, we have, now I will say these last two cells, with Goff, if you have him on your team, I would explore options almost immediately. With these next two cells, I'm not telling you there's not any urgency here, okay? All I'm saying, do your due diligence, kick the tires, but you don't have to dump them for your first offer. That's what I'm, That's not what I'm trying to say. But if you wanted to sell, I think now would be a good time for somebody like Kyron Williams. Now, when we talk about Kyron Williams, he is somebody that you probably got for pennies, right? This is his all-time draft value on keep trade cut. He was probably, what, like a third-round rookie pick? He came out of Notre Dame. He was awful at the combine. He goes day three. He looked dead on impact, and then out of nowhere last year, he was the RB2 in points per game. His price is pretty much at an all-time high. You got him for nearly nothing. It feels like a good time to get out. That's all I'm really trying to say. Uh, when we look at Adeko's ADP, he's in this range of like ETN and HN. I'd have him closer to like that Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook tier. You know, you see him in between. I think this is like... Yeah, he's in between the 106 and Jalen Waddle. Like, I, I would take either of those over Kyron Williams. It's just... Again, his price is at an all-time high. He's a fine player, right? He did great this year. But running backs are a fragile asset, and even more so when they are drafted on day three. They weigh under 200 pounds. They have an injury history. I don't usually like bringing up injury history, but when we talk about a 194-pound running back who just led the NFL in expected points per game in volume behind Christian McCaffrey, it's a bit of an issue. Uh, he had a broken foot his rookie year, then a high ankle sprain his rookie year, then this year a high ankle sprain, and then a hand fracture. So we have high ankle sprains in back-to-back -back years. We have a broken foot. We have hand issues. It's just tough when we look at like what the volume was this year. He was behind just McCaffrey in expected points per game. That's just based on rush attempts, volume in general. He is getting a lot of touches for, again, a 194-pound running back. Now, I think there's a chance that they like draft a running back, and that's something that should spook you as well. Like They could draft an Audric Estime. They could draft a Blake Corum. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for his longevity, but he now goes from someone that's giving you like massive wins above replacement, 20-plus point-per-game running back, to going down to your James Cook, Rashad White, 15-point-per-game, you know, like, 12 to 15 touch guy. And I think he can thrive in that role, but that's not what his price reflects at this point. I think he should be about a round and a half cheaper with your James Cooks, with your Isaiah Pacheco's, where you know, you're know you more of an efficient, smaller back than you are this like volume RB1 type bell cow that he's being drafted as. And we look at just the history with Sean McVay. Sean McVay churns and burns these running backs, man. This is all-time PPR uh, scoring under Sean McVay. You can see like this is a this is a boulevard of broken dreams. It is a It is a graveyard, right? Todd Gurley churned and burned. He is still in his 20s, Todd Gurley, and he is no longer a Ram or even in the NFL. Darrell Henderson, uh, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, Sony Michelle, CJ Anderson. There's a lot of guys where he'll use them for, you know, a stretch and he'll be on to the next one. We've seen it before as well, where day three running backs get replaced all of the time. We can pull this up. This is day three running backs 
points per game in their first two years since 2010. You have Jordan Howard. Remember Jordan Howard? They draft David Montgomery. Uh, you have Alfred Morris. You have Chris Carson. Chris Carson, they draft Rashad Penny. Then they also draft uh, Kenneth Walker. You have Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman was in that backfield. But Devontae Freeman's one of the big hits on this list. I would say Devontae Freeman and Aaron Jones are the two big ones. Uh, but you have like Ramondre Stevenson, who's been like fine. Pacheco, again, is someone I think that he should be valued pretty closely to. You have Damian Pierce that didn't work out. You have Tyler Algier. They drafted Bijan over him. So it's just tough. Again, I know a lot of people love to say, well, draft level doesn't matter in year three. With running backs, it does. They don't feel a lot of allegiance to these guys. We even saw it. This wasn't McVay's regime. But if you guys remember, there was a running back named Trey Mason who was pretty good. And then just out of nowhere, they drafted Todd Gurley in front of him, and Trey Mason was never heard from again. So it's just... Uh, to me, he, again, he belongs closer to Pacheco than he does to like your Jonathan Taylors of the world, which right now he's much closer to Jonathan Taylor than your Pacheco, Rashad White, uh, Isaiah Pacheco area of guys. And to me, it's tough. Again, it's like about like a round difference. But if I could sell him, you know, for like a top seven pick or a top five pick and somebody really wanted him, I think I would. Again, I'm not saying that you have to dump him immediately or you have to sell him right this second. But if you kick the tires, you can get significant draft capital on a day three running back that has like a stretch of 12 games. I think you have to make that move. Now, when we look at kind of what he's trading for right now on Fantasy Calc, yeah, like you're getting first to be... The issue is we don't know what these firsts are, but again, like if it's like a top five, top seven pick, I would do that all day long. I would... If I could bundle Kyron to why you can get Jamar Chase, I absolutely would. I If if I was fine at running back, or even if I wasn't fine at running back, I don't hate Kyron for Waddle, something like that. Uh, what else sticks out? Again, it depends on what these firsts are, but... I think there are some good things here. Kyron for Zay Flowers is close. Um, I'm not sure I would. I mean, Kyron for Tank Dell. I think I would prefer Tank Dell at this point as well. So again, like there's nothing crazy like Kyron for Waddle, Kyron for like first, Kyron in a piece to go up to Jamar Chase. I don't hate it. Uh, I'm just not crazy about it. It just feels like you're kind of holding the bag on a fragile asset right now. Uh, he's at his all-time high. It just feels like a good time to sell uh, if you have the luxury to do so in a willing partner. Now, after that, our final sell candidate here for this video, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Same thing. You don't have to go out and take the first offer that comes across your desk. But man, I have never seen... JSN was my wide receiver one in this rookie class, okay? I like JSN coming out, but I have never seen the market quite just... They are so stubborn when it comes to Jackson Smith and the Jigba. They do not... He had a bad rookie year. Like, we just have to come out and say it. The rookie year that he had was not good, and the market just hasn't flinched. So to me, that creates an opportunity where it's like, you know, this is his all-time price. And again, he was like a top 10 wide receiver the minute that he was drafted in Dynasty, and he's only dropped, you know, just a little bit. He's actually rebounding a bit here um, on Keep Trade Cut, and it's tough. Like, when we look at his rookie comps in my database, I filter up and down for PFF receiving grade, points per game, Yards per run, and I even included their January ADP. So right now, he's he's going as the 49th pick. He's going as the 501 right now. Guys that had comparable rookie years to him, right, when we look at points per game and yards per run, Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman. Jerry Judy, about, I think that's like two rounds cheaper, at least a round and a half cheaper. Rashad Bateman's like three rounds cheaper uh, after his rookie year. It gets tough. Now, again, we have PFF receiving grade, points per game, yards per run, all in the same area. All of these guys are first-round picks. All of them are elite or gold prospects in my RS-grade database, RS-grade model. Uh, and you have your year, year two point-per-game projection. That takes into account all of those metrics, and it spits out how good should they be moving forward. All of them are in the same range. And it's not a sexy list, man. It's I mean, maybe he's DeAndre Hopkins, but we both know they're different players where D-Hop's this, you know, ex-wide receiver who's like a contested catch guy, and JSN's much more of like your slot smooth operator. 
it's tough, man. Like he he does look a lot like Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman, and people just aren't really willing to admit it. Now again, I'm not saying there's no chance that he turns things around and you know has a career as good as DeAndre Hopkins, but right now it's not priced in at all. It is it is priced like he had a fine rookie year, nothing happened, that he is on that trajectory of being a really good wide receiver, and it's just not the case. Like dynasty market again is just so forgiving for him. Where when we look at redraft, I sorted this by dynasty ADP. Uh, you can see on the far right is year two point per game projection. So how does my model like them in year two? And then underdog ADP. Puka's a first round pick. Tank Dell's a third. Rashi Rice is a second. Zay Flowers is a fourth. Jordan Addison's a fifth. Jaden Reed is a fifth. Jackson Smith and the Jigba is a sixth. So even the redraft market sees him a tier behind your Addison, your Zay Flowers, even a tier behind your Jaden Reed in this class. So again, it really is just the market holding on to JSN and what he was as a prospect. That's a little bit tough for me. Now, I know what everyone's saying to themselves. Well, he was playing next to Metcalf and Lockett. What did you expect? Well, Puka Nakua thrived to Coop, next to Cooper Cup. Addison thrived next to Justin Jefferson. Tank Dell thrived next to Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. It's tough to make all of these excuses. Like I, I, Again, he's a fifth-round pick right now. I'd have him about like a sixth-round pick in that Jaden Reed area. So it's not all that crazy but if I could sell while the market's just like not acknowledging his first year I would now people love to say again there was no expectation there was at least in the redraft market if you remember from earlier when we had redraft JSN was the highest drafter right? that's closing ADP in best ball mania on underdog JSN was drafted ahead of Jordan Addison drafted ahead of Zay Flowers drafted ahead of Quentin Johnson so even with the wide receivers ahead of him people were still on JSN this is a three wide receiver set league People had high expectations for JSN in year one, and he was not good. When we look at usable weeks, he had six usable weeks to Jordan Addison's nine and Zay Flowers 11. He did not keep pace with them at all, despite having these same exact expectations when it came to where redraft players were drafting him. They thought that he was going to, you know, emerge at the end of the year. We saw as well with like CeeDee Lamb. He had what, like Amari Cooper and a healthy Michael Gallup when he was a rookie, and he was still usable and still did things. Like, it, you can't give him such a pass to the point where, you're just like, oh, well, they had Lockett and Metcalf. Well, Lockett, neither Lockett or Metcalf were even that. I don't think either of them were like a wide receiver one in points per game. Neither of them were that crazy. And even on a per route basis, still, again, we look at that JSN screenshot. His yards per run was 1.32. That's not great at all. So it's not even like he was efficient on his routes. Like altogether, it was underwhelming. To me, it does seem a lot like Rashad Bateman's rookie year, where Rashad Bateman came into the year with an, came into the year with an injury. Same thing with JSN. Rashad Bateman, if you guys don't remember, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews both had 1,000-plus receiving yards that year. When you look at JSN, you have Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, and instead of getting a discount on JSN, you know, putting him in like the 60s or 70s in terms of ADP, the market will not budge. And it's because everyone just keeps pointing to what he did at Ohio State. And it is the most bad faith argument for JSN to point at this screenshot because JSN had like 500 yards in three games without Garrett Wilson, without Chris Olave. He did not outproduce Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. He kept pace, right? This is this is still impressive. I, I, I This was a while back. I took the games, all 11 games where they all played together between JSN, Garrett Wilson, Olave. He kept pace with them, right? He had about 1,000 yards. Same thing with Garrett Wilson. He had just five touchdowns. Garrett Wilson had 12 touchdowns. Olave had 12 touchdowns. He clearly wasn't the focal point in the end zone or in big games. He kind of just dominated in that Rose Bowl. And he had a couple other games where either Olave or Garrett Wilson didn't play. Is it still impressive that he kept pace with them? Sure. 
But we've seen in the past guys keep pace with guys all the time and not be good, right? Like Henry Ruggs kept pace or Jerry Judy kept pace with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and he's a 12th round pick in Dynasty. Like it, it, you can't just keep pointing at the screenshot and being like, well, he outproduced Garrett Wilson, so he's got to be really good. He kept pace with them, which was impressive, but as well, when you have so much resources dedicated to Olave and Garrett Wilson on the outside, there's going to be soft things to, you know, take advantage of across the middle. So, again, I don't think that he's awful. I have him as like a six or seven round pick in Dynasty. I just think that the market is really, really stubborn on JSN. And if there was ever a time to sell JSN, it would be during this time period. Now, when we look at what JSN is trading for, it's pretty wild to me. Like every time I check this, it's usually something pretty big uh, that he's getting. To, I mean, dude, two random first for JSN. I think I would cash out for that price. Again, two first. Uh, I don't know what this 24 is. Give me a lobby over JSN all day. I don't know how that's even really a conversation. Uh, Tyreek in a second for JSN in a, in a first. I, I probably, if I was competing, I would maybe think about that one. JSN, a first and a third for Jordan Love. But this was like a late first. I would. Uh, Trey McBride for JSN. That's closer. Uh, JSN and Jameson for Brees, I would. JSN showed up for Rashi. JSN showed up for Rashi Rice, Zay Flowers, or Tank Dell. I think I would at this point. Um, again, like he, he's really, he's really getting bought and sold like he is on that same tier with guys like Addison. I would do the same thing. I would trade him straight up for Jordan Addison, um, as well. So I don't know. JSN and two first for Jalen Hurts. I think I would do that as well. If I could use JSN as a bargaining chip to get up to one of the elite quarterbacks, I would. So again, you don't have to go dump him, but if somebody's going to pay you like two random first, like two and a half first for a wide receiver that underperformed in year one and they're still paying last year's price on JSN I think that would be the spot where I do cash out now that is going to be it for today could you make the argument that that should have been two videos sure but I wanted to get it all in one video I know you guys do enjoy the the must buy and sell trade targets I don't know maybe next time we'll do a split up but I do just like the titles and the thumbnail for must buy and sell again the whole reason for this video is I just completed a huge dynasty rankings update so if you have a rookie draft coming up if you have a dynasty startup coming up it'll all be on there boom, right here, you have my rankings, my tiers, you have all of it. They're going to update after free agency as well when we get combine numbers. So right after we get combine numbers this weekend, the RS grades will update on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And then on top of that, we will have after free agency, another dynasty rankings update with new buys and sells. So again, it's all there, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You can find it down below in the description, in the comment section. But if you can't support there, I appreciate you guys just watching the video. And as always, I will see y'all in the next one.